With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. GW's Rod Hill. Quiet, please, ladies and gentlemen. You ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the and welcome to a Wednesday. It's a pleasure to be with you. And with much of America in a deep freeze right now, I thought we'd talk about something involving the homeless and about the fact that the U.S. Supreme Court has already signaled that it's going to take on one of the most consequential cases involving the so-called homeless. Now, most of the homeless, in my read of the situation, they are drug addicts. They are addicted to alcohol. They may be addicted to both. A few of them may be simply mentally ill without the involvement of drugs or alcohol. And some people are there because of economic circumstances, but the vast majority of them are there because of their own addiction. So what happens? Well, right now, cities all over America are largely barred from cleaning those messes up. They, they can't do much about it. And it's because of a decision called Boise. Uh, the cases are named based on who brings the cases and who's being sued and all that. But that case came down some long time ago. I'll get into the details of that because this is the chance we have to have the U.S. Supreme Court actually say to America's cities, you're allowed to clean up the mess. And then we can actually get something done. And for those of you with soft hearts, you can probably even get something meaningful done for those people who are living on the streets right now. And they are beset by a drug addiction, alcohol addiction, or both, and mental illness on top of all of that. Can you do much of anything if you say, well, the law allows you to simply live in your own filth and live on public property, and authorities are not allowed to do anything about it? The Supreme Court can fix this. Now, whether they will or not, that's another matter, but at least they're going to hear the case. Let me get into the details of that in just a moment. First, welcome to a Wednesday. And if you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here every day 
at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, we'll put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Easy to remember. And then, of course, you can vote in our poll on X. Used to be Twitter. Now it's X. Uh, we put up a daily question every single day. You can find it at Lars Larson Show on X. You can also find it on our website at LarsLarson.com. We did that to make sure that people who don't want to have anything to do with Twitter or X or anything else, you can still vote in the Twitter poll. Please vote only once. But let me get back to this case that's going to be before the U.S. Supreme Court. They're going to hear it. And it actually involves uh, involves this question of whether or not cities in America should be forbidden by law from cleaning up these massive homeless encampments in so many of America's big cities. Well, the U.S. Supreme Court announced Friday that it was willing to take on the case and that they would decide whether or not the lower courts were right in saying to cities, if you've made it illegal, even a crime, to be camping on public property, occupying property that you have no right to be on, and taking drugs, and bringing garbage, and leaving human filth, and needles, and everything else. All the whole mess that goes with it. Squalor, disease, shouting crazy people in neighborhoods. All of this could be fixed. And my friend Betsy McCoy, who used to be the lieutenant governor of New York City, but knows a lot about health issues, she was writing recently, she said the town of Grants Pass, Oregon, about 250 miles south of Portland, is challenging a Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruling that goes all the way back to 2018, shielding the homeless from any punishment whatsoever for camping on public property. And as she writes, and I agree with her, the Ninth Circuit Court, I call them the Ninth Circus Court, because they are, bar none, the most overturned court of appeals in America, meaning they get it wrong more often than every other federal appeals court anywhere in America. The Ninth Circuit, known for its left-wing jurisprudence, says penalties for sleeping on public property amount to cruel and unusual punishment. Not cruel and unusual punishment of the neighborhood they're occupying or the people that they decide to assault or the garbage they bring to people's neighborhoods. No, it's cruel and unusual for society to say, you can't pop, pop, you can't camp here. You don't own this property. You don't have any right to this property. You're bringing filth and disease and needles and crime and all kinds of things to this property. The ruling has tied the hands of politicians in places like Phoenix, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Portland, Seattle, uh, all of these places. And courts in the rest of the United States have said, this is a reason we're going to allow homeless encampments and forbid the local authorities from doing anything about it. And she writes, what the justices decide this spring is going to affect the entire country. She says advocates for the homeless say cities are unwilling to spend the money to take care of the indigent. And Betsy McCoy calls them out. Don't fall for it. All across the nation, municipalities have been increasing shelter accommodations in some cities, spending literally hundreds of millions of dollars to offer people another place to live, another way to live, to live in shelters instead. But many homeless flatly refuse to come in off the streets. Now, if it happens to be cold like it is, well, the, almost the entire country is in the icebox right now. But people choose to sleep in the rough because they don't like the rules. Now, I've actually had homeless people. When, as a reporter, I've gone down to the homeless camps. And uh, you talk to them and you say, why don't you go into the shelter? 
You've got shelter, you've got heat, you've got a bed to sleep in, you've got food, you have a toilet down the hall, you have the opportunity to bathe or take a shower. And you know what they've told me? I mean, not just what Betsy is writing about. They've told me to my face, I don't want to go in the shelter. In the shelter, I can't sleep in the same bed as my girlfriend or boyfriend. In the shelter, I can't bring my dog. I can't smoke my cigarettes. I can't drink my booze. I can't take my heroin. I can't smoke my methamphetamine. I've been told all of those things. And you say, okay, you choose to live outside. That's your business. I think the Supreme Court is going to take a look at this, and they're going to say, no, if you've turned down another place to stay and it's been offered up at taxpayer expense, then you're not allowed to camp on public property. One survey in the city of Portland showed 75% of the homeless, so-called addicts, most of them, turned down offers for shelter. In San Francisco, in a 2023 survey, 54% said, no, I don't want to go in the shelter. The homeless, as she writes, deserve compassion, but allowing them to stay on the street where they freeze to death on a sidewalk or succumb to disease is not compassionate. And she's absolutely right about that. When you say, well, they have the right to be there. You mean they have the right to overdose and die? They have the right to freeze and die? They have a right to get diseases and give diseases to others and die? And then she points out a stat I'd never heard before. The average person who's living homeless cuts their own lifespan by 30 years. This is why when you see people living on the streets, if they've been there for any good length of time, you'll see people in their 20s who look like they're in their 50s. And you say, how does that happen? And as they say, it's a rough life out there. Uh, the courts have said time is of essence. The court, in this case, the Supreme Court, will rule no later than June. And we can only hope that, as she writes, expect the justices to overturn the Ninth Circuit's loony decision and free the cities of America to restore order and safety to their streets. I'll add to that. Let it happen. We've got to have it happen. Glad to get your calls on this Wednesday. 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our poll on X. And, of course, you're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. With, I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Contact us today at oregongunlaw.com.
actually want to be at. This is the Lars Larson Show. That makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense. Right, your body well right, you know you got a right to sit. This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead fish wrapper or mainstream media bias. You know, if you think that bearing or banning a candidate's name from the ballot is un-American, I think you're absolutely right. But if you think efforts of the Democrat Party end with Donald J. Trump, you are sadly mistaken. Democrats in the state of Washington have now written a proposal for a law, House Bill 2150, that provides for removal of any candidate from any ballot in the Evergreen state if it becomes law. Removal takes a two-thirds vote of the state legislature. Now, if you say, well, that's not likely, is it? Well, the Democrat Party nearly has two-thirds majorities in the state houses of the legislature, and its current chair of the Democrat Party has announced it is her goal to reach that number this year. So under those circumstances, they would be able to remove any candidate from any ballot in Washington state. Now, think how citizens have already suffered under the lunatic Democrat decisions in just the past few years. Police chasing bad guys, that's outlawed. Hard drugs, largely legalized. Massive homeless camps, ignored. Kidnapping kids for chemical castration over their parents' objection, legalized by the state legislature by votes by the Democrats. Now, imagine a state government where the law allows those already in office to remove the names of any candidates who threaten to get in their way. A place where Democrats decide who you, a citizen, are allowed to vote for or even see the name on the ballot. It's a bill before the legislature right now, House Bill 2150. Call it crazy if you want to, but so's the idea of removing a former president from the ballot because the ruling class fears his inevitable election. Our question of the day, should Northwest Utilities, as we come to the end of this most recent storm, should they shift their focus from wind and solar power to just plain keeping the lights turned on? Uh, as our friend Chuck Weiss, the meteorologist, pointed out, I just heard from a PGE spokesperson on your flagship station on the Radio Northwest Network, KXL. And this should be their motto as they continue with their renewable energy green power push. And I quote him directly, plan for the worst and hope for the best. In truth, their management of climate insanity will not be able to deliver any better Power reliability will continue to decrease, and you will continue to pay more and more for the outrageous cost of this green electricity, which, more importantly, will have exactly zero impact on atmospheric CO2, the climate, or the weather. Signed, Chuck. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. Well, while I was praising the Supreme Court just a couple of minutes ago for taking on the issue of homeless encampments and whether or not it's legal to camp on public lands and whether or not it's legal to clear out those camps, I think the Supreme Court will take that one on. But I'm going to give the Supreme Court of the United States the grill today for chickening out on settling a major issue for both parents and their children, and it's an issue in virtually every state in America. The Supreme Court will not consider whether an Indian 
Indiana Middle School was required to let a transgender girl use the boys' bathroom or locker room. The ruling comes after the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit affirmed a lower court's injunction last year that allowed transgender students to use bathrooms that correspond to their claimed gender identity. The decision not to get involved in the case means that pending lawsuits will continue across the United States with different judges potentially arriving at different conclusions. The Supreme Court could have cleaned that one up. They chose not to. Shame on them. Today's best email, but you can always send more to talk at LarsLarson.com. This comes in from Jana. Lars, I was one of the lucky ones whose power was out for three days. There were three huge trees that came down. Lots of damage. On the news, I see more huge trees down causing damage and power outages. But you know, the city complains or makes you pay high fees or fines to take those trees down at your own expense. Now that you couldn't take down an old tree that was too big in your yard, Mother Nature has taken it down for you. People in cities need to get over their love of huge trees in a suburban yard. Take them down now and replant a new one. It saves a lot of costs in the long run. We did it in our yard. It was sad, but I was grateful for doing it. Signed, Janet. Send those emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And let me welcome our first caller on this snowy Wednesday, or I should say icy Wednesday. Klaus, welcome to the program, and thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Well, we only have a minute, and I want to make it short. You know, I uh, was a wealthy man once, and I became homeless, and I have currently lived four years in a pickup truck. Currently, I'm in a transition housing, which is a wonderful thing. So my opinion has value. And I agree with everything you say. I really do. Thank you. But I would like to know what, if you go a little deeper, what will happen if the states are free to address the situation? What will they do? In, in large they will clean, clean out the homeless camps and offer those people well, in them well, an alternative. Well, Except, Klaus, one moment. If, well, hold on. I'm going to bring it to an end. I would like you to elaborate as to what you think the solution would be, as in uh, some sort of uh, work camps, prison system, nope. Nope. Uh, institutions. Nope. Uh, I mean, nope. Uh, you, you want to keep guessing, or do you want to hear my, what my solution is, Klaus? I mean, what are you going to do? Klaus? And that's about all I have to say. Yeah. Well, I want you to answer a couple of questions. You said you were once wealthy. Um, how did you lose your fortune? Uh, the universe comes against certain people. Whether, no, um, no, let's, let's talk practical thing. things. What went wrong? Uh, it began with death in my family. and I'm Was booze or were drugs involved? Uh, my uh, uh, parents and grandparents, yes, it was alcohol, dysfunction. What about of the you? Were bondage. you involved in drugs and alcohol? No, sir. I, I I went sober 28 years ago when I was 40 years old. And I'm do you still work now. a job, or did you work a job at the time? Back then I did, uh, but I went sober 28 years ago and got away from all that, and I've lost my whole family since then. No, so no, no hold on. How, I, you, you haven't told me how is it you stopped working and generating an income that would have paid for a home for you. Why? At the time, I had to quit working to hospice my family members, and I ended up with a disability myself that carried me through the years. And and, and so you took disability pay. What was your disability? I uh, had an emotional mental breakdown. 
myself. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, and and did you well, seek help? I, How is it that you ended up on the streets? Did, you you did, had no I'm family right or now. friends willing to take I'm you in? I'm right now for PTSD from all of that. I hospiced four of my uh, immediate loved ones, and I'm still getting over it. So, yes, some people have mental issues, and they need to be addressed. Some people have... Uh, just unfortunate circumstances like me. And then there's people who, like you said, just, you know, are the dredge of society. I didn't say uh, dregs of society. I haven't used that phrase. Were none of your family or friends willing to take you in, Klaus? Were any of your family or friends willing to take you in? Not back then because uh, my, I, told, I stood against their lifestyle of drugs and alcohol, so I was ostracized. Okay. Klaus, I appreciate the call, and best of luck to you, and God bless. you got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Broadcasting from his socially distanced bunker to yours, it's sanitized entertainment. Here's Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a snowy, icy Wednesday, and it's the Radio Northwest Network serving the Pacific Northwest states, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho for the past 24 years. And it's a pleasure to welcome back to the program Aaron Mesh, news managing editor, managing news editor at Willamette Week. You can find their stories at wweek.com. Aaron, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Did you survive without losing power for the last uh, few days? I lost power for about three and a half hours, so uh read a book. Yeah, so you read a book? Good. And obviously not on your Kindle, but probably an actual physical book that you held in your hands. Um, let's talk about Dr. Daryl Brett. He is still a doctor, isn't he? He is, as of, as of this hour. Has he engaged in negligence, according to the licensing boards for doctors? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to be really careful, obviously. Oh, I, I would be, too. I would be, too. To, to, to what the medical board says rather than what I happen to think, right? So sure. the Oregon Medical Board says that this neurosurgeon, uh, a prominent, uh, successful, and by all accounts, highly accomplished neurosurgeon uh, named Dr. Daryl Brett. Uh, the, let, me, let me pull up the exact language was it that his conduct amounted to, quote, gross negligence in the practice of medicine? That's correct. Uh, and the the concerns that the board had with Brett were that, according to the board, he prescribed painkillers so liberally that in some cases the prescription crossed into negligence. Uh, two patients died shortly after uh, those prescriptions, uh, although the board does not explicitly blame Brett for those deaths. The board also found that he had marked up the cost of surgery by more than a thousand percent, and uh, and this is perhaps the most interesting part is that as the board continued to in, an ongoing investigation that started in 2017, it discovered that he had created a company or it alleged he created a company called Precision Laboratories, and that Precision Laboratories uh, was essentially a shell company that. Uh, that did not perform any of the diagnostic tests that he was referring patients to. It was simply a pass-through. So in one case, and in the board um, suggests this case was telling, uh, in one case a woman came to him uh, seeking opioids, 
for painkill for pain, and he said, uh, "Well, I can't give you any painkillers until I do a urine test. I'm going to send you to Precision Laboratories to have a urine test taken to make sure you're not on any other opioids." Yeah. Uh, and the charge for going to that uh, urinalysis or pee test will be uh, will be uh, nearly five thousand dollars. Holy cow! Isn't isn't that kind of test routinely available for truck drivers and pilots and everybody else for like fifty or a hundred bucks? Yeah, the the going rate at the uh, at hospitals is about four hundred dollars. Uh, oh, but wow! Yeah, I mean, and and so and they mark up as well. The going rate at the hospital is quite is too expensive, right? Like that uh, that you can probably get that done. Um, much cheaper, you know. When when I was a security guard in Tennessee, they p tested me for free. So, like, who knows? Well, but, somebody uh, paid for it. It was it was free to you, but it's somebody paid for it, right? I'm sure, I'm sure that the good people at Walton Security paid <laughs> a pretty penny. At any rate, um, so this this cost is is extraordinary compared to the going rate for a urine test. And, and even more importantly, according to the board, it wasn't as if Precision Laboratories was even themselves running the test. They were simply handing it to a company in Eugene that ran the test, meaning that this uh, extraordinary markup was essentially for the privilege of having them send you a bill. And all of this to the benefit of Dr. Daryl Brett. Do you... According to the medical board, yeah. According to the medical board. Now, I want to, I'd want to be careful as well about what I say about Dr. Brett, but he's still allowed to practice even though they found that he had conduct amounting to gross negligence and even though he was dramatically marking up the charges of his service. I, I guess at the end of the day, is the medical board right? Or was Dr. Brett doing nothing wrong? And so, therefore, that there's no problem with him continuing to, to do his, his uh, practice. So the board, the board did a couple of things. So one thing the board did was that as of late last year, he is no longer allowed, he's allowed to perform surgeries, uh, but he is no longer allowed to charge anything for his services. So you have this sort of extraordinary uh, comeuppance where this, the circumstances is really remarkable. In fact, I've never seen it before, and the medical board could only find two previous instances of it when asked where a doctor is told, we don't actually have a problem with the quality of work you do, but uh, we are so displeased by what you're charging and what they allege is fraudulent that we're no longer going to allow you to charge anything for your services. In other words, now you are giving back to the community as a pro bono physician, whether you want to or not. Aaron, uh, I thought the Constitution outlawed indentured servitude. Didn't it? I, I seem to remember that. Whether or not the medical board's actions are constitutional. On the other hand, they aren't requiring him to work. So, so there is that. Uh, he can just stop. And in fact, as of June 1 this coming year in his most recent settlement, which was uh, reached in, in over the holidays is my understanding, or very recently, his medical license is suspended altogether. So why are they giving him uh, till June to, to have a license if they say we're going to take your license away, but not for another six months? What What's the point of that? God knows. 
I like. I, I, I will confess that the longer we worked on this story, the more the the actions of the medical board appeared to me to be opaque to the point of deep frustration. I, I like they. They are. They are. They have a great deal of power, uh, which they. I, I, I think it's fair to say they wield it judiciously. They're very careful in how they use that power, but they are certainly not very transparent about how they use that power. And uh, and I I did find it fairly frustrating trying to understand why this penalty and why not that penalty. Although one clue is that these penalties aren't issued, um, they aren't issued just by, by fiat, right? So like it's not yeah. as if like the medical board makes a ruling and slams down its gavel and declares like a judge would in a court case, like now you're off to prison or you can't practice medicine anymore. It's actually always a settlement. So it's actually close, I mean, closer to arbitration where the, the doctor says, well, here's what I think is fair for me. And the medical board says, well, here's what we think is fair for you. And then they haggle. See, what I don't understand about this, Aaron, is in theory, if the reason we have medical licensing is to make sure we have competent and, and, and I guess, honest professionals in any profession. But if the board that's, that's, that's regulating all this says, yeah, you, you've engaged in negligence, maybe a couple of people might have died, might have died because of some drugs you gave them, but we're going to let you keep on practicing, you just can't charge that's sort of like it's a halfway measure that doesn't protect anybody except maybe the medical establishment. And are they going easy? Because you and I have also talked about how OHS and you uh, or OHNSU uh, had, had, had overcharged a lady dramatically for a thing like a pneumonia shot that's worth 250 bucks. And they, they whacked her for a thousand dollars. You say, Oh, it's okay to mark stuff up 400% above the real cost. You just can't go a thousand percent above. That that doesn't speak well of the medical board. I'll give you the last fifteen seconds. I mean, the, the large the larger picture here, and I think the board is certainly indicted in it, is that in many ways medicine looks a little bit less like the country doctor and a little bit more like the car lot on Eighty Second Ave, <laughs> where everything is negotiable, right? And all that matters is how mu how how much is the price at the end of the deal, and do you drive away happy? You can read the whole story about Dr. Daryl Brett at wweek.com. Aaron Mesh is the managing editor there. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to take your phone calls and emails. i got to tell you about today's X-Poll. Uh, property taxes are now local, and already the Democrats say, let's have a statewide property tax and take the decisions away from citizens. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Now. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. 
Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Because you can't get enough, Lars. Podcast every show at LarsLarson.com. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. In a moment, I'm going to tell you about the latest lunatic idea introduced at the Washington State Legislature. They say, gee, there's a problem with robberies and burglaries and other financial crimes, especially the ones where the criminals, well, they do a lot of damage to small businesses in committing their crimes. So they got a solution. It isn't to arrest the criminals, believe it or not. It's something entirely different. And, of course, it's at your expense. Let me get to the details on that in a moment. First, to your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, we'll put you first in line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And don't forget about our poll on X. The question is, property taxes are just about all local now in the states of Oregon, Washington, should Oregon add a statewide property tax? And does that make sense, or is it just another way for the Democrats to reach into your uh, pocket? I would say no. There should not be a statewide property tax. Property taxes should be the decisions of individual counties and cities, and they should set the rates with votes by their by their constituents, and that's the simple way to do it. Today's poll on X is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Let's go first to Nathan. Hey, Nathan, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Hi. I, I was listening to your uh, your uh, debate with earlier about the uh, people that are homeless and what the cities are doing to uh, acclimate them into shelters and them not wanting to, uh, yep. a large percentage of them. Huge percent, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, and, and I agree there's a large percent that don't want to uh, go into the shelter. And I've been homeless myself, so I can empathize with why they don't. I've been through one of the shelters, uh, downtown Portland, uh, and I don't believe that we're supposed to be saying the name, but I don't but, care. Uh, you can you can okay, name it. So, so TPI Transition Projects, and uh, uh, you know, those sh- that shelter isn't one of the cleanest shelters, and it's a hundred people in a large room with bunk beds. Uh, people aren't properly clean, and when you go to use the bathroom, a lot of the time you have to clean feces off of the the toilet just so that you can go to the bathroom on top. It sounds of, disgusting, you know, and it sounds like hands. the kind of bad behavior, uh, the antisocial behavior that probably made many of those people unwelcome in the homes of their friends and their family. Would you agree? I I could say that for some of them, yes, I believe, but but uh, we also. On that note, don't know what caused them to have uh, antisocial behavior in uh, of this fashion. Whether a person was born with it or they had this born with antisocial. Be- Are there antisocial babies out there? I'm not saying as a baby. I'm saying as an adult. Well, you said there's they were born with it. Ha- there's there's traumatic things that happen to people, regardless of what it is. We do or don't know. And we're categorizing those people. And yeah, we are. Uh, Nathan, you know, do you think that we're believe- missing something by saying we can't categorize people? If somebody engages no. in antisocial behavior, is it their responsibility to correct that or at least ask for help correcting that? 
or should they just be allowed to to engage in whatever antisocial behavior they want? And when their family and friends say you're no longer welcome in our home, then they then they end up living out, you know, in homeless camps and their antisocial behavior is imposed on everybody around them. Can you tell me what makes sense about that? Nothing, really, uh, aside from the fact that they're choosing to live that way. But yeah. just because, I mean, I, I, I side with, okay, they want to be antisocial for whatever anxiety reasons that they're dealing with. But on the same note, I agree on your side of the fence that they don't have to live like a homeless person, be throwing trash everywhere and leaving it for the public to clean up. Assaulting people, stealing things, shooting drugs, setting fires, all of those things. Exactly. Exactly. There is a criminal element to a lot of that because they're not working. They're not being productive for themselves. You know, so, but, but everybody that's homeless isn't in that category. Can you tell me, can you give me one example who's not? Were you in that category? Yes, I was. Okay. And I am. Tell me. I'm curious then. Tell me this. When you fell on hard times, did you go to your family and friends and say, can I live with you for a while till I get back on my feet? Not once. And Why? I left when I was 16. Why not? Why? Because it's not their responsibility for me. When as you're 16, you are mom and dad's yeah. responsibility, Nathan. What? When you are 16 sorry, years I... of age in America, you are your mom and dad's responsibility, correct? Legally, morally, and ethically. Le- legally, yes. But in my mind, I'm not because I was working, I had a job, and, and you were I having was living fun as an adult. And you chose to live fun. elsewhere I because an, I was living. No, I was living as an adult. I was going to school. I was getting off school, going to basketball practice, and then after that, I was coming home, changing for work, and walking to work until closing. If that's the way you lived, why didn't you choose to live with mom and dad? Why would you ever leave mom and dad's home unless their rules got in your way? Because they kicked. I was kicked out of the house. For what? I'm not by my mother, but I I was asked to leave. For what? For what? What did you do that caused you to be kicked out of the house? Okay, they they left for a weekend. They said I, I not to have anybody over at our parties, and I didn't. But I did have a friend come over to watch movies. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you, your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Quiet, please. Ladies and gentlemen, you ready for the big show? You're ready. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Lost. 
is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live and now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to get to your phone calls and your emails at 866-HEY-LARS. Uh, glad to have you with me on a Wednesday. Sorry about the weather. Sorry about the power outages. Sorry about the fact that we've got so much wind and solar and green energy and everything else that we can't keep the lights turned on all the time, uh, whether the line are up or not. But I want to talk about something else, and that is the problem of fentanyl and other hard drugs, which in both Oregon and Washington, to a lesser, greater or lesser extent, have been largely legalized in Oregon by a vote of the people, Measure 110, in Washington State because of ridiculous court decisions. But ultimately, since some time has gone by, because the legislatures refuse to do anything about the problem. So I thought we'd get Jeff Helfrich on, who's a Republican representing Oregon's District 52 in the state legislature. Uh, good to have you back, Jeff. Hey, Lars, thanks for having me on. I think the last time I talked to you, I hadn't uh, yet uh, talked about it, but I am the House Republican leader. I took that uh, position over in September. Congratulations. I, uh, I, I, I look forward to you telling me what we're going to do with that, because... Am I wrong in, in, before we get to fentanyl, am I wrong in concluding that sometimes uh, Republicans in the Oregon legislature, because you're in the minority and because it's been a tough road, uh, have just kind of given up and let the Democrats do what they want? I would say that's not a, a good characterization. What I'd say is we try to do our best with what we have because we are in the minority. We were in the super minority just uh, you know two years ago, and we are out of the super minority. Now we're just in the minority, and my job as Republican leader is to get us to the majority or as close as we can do that. And we have an opportunity to, to do that in uh, 2024. And I keep telling my colleagues, you might uh, hear the word Speaker Jeff instead of Speaker uh, Fahey or Speaker Sanchez. Uh, you might hear the word Speaker Jeff if we get to that point. And uh, I'll look forward to that day. I, I look forward to the I, day that you – but tell me this, in this session, this upcoming session, l let me ask just some real short questions to kind of set the tone for the people listening. Is Measure 114 a colossal disaster and deadly for hundreds of Oregonians? Are you talking the gun bill, or you said 114? Do you mean I'm sorry, I, mean, I got 114 on the brain, 110, sorry. Yep. Thanks it for the correction. We're, we're in crisis. It is an utter failure. It is a petri dish experiment that has failed all of Oregonians. And to your question, yes, we have a bill that we can address that with. But past legislature, the last legislative assembly uh, failed to address that. We had bills to fix that. The majority party would not hear those bills on the floor and let us take a vote on them. And so when you're in the minority, there's not much you can do except do bill polls and have conversations. But we ha Republicans have and are leading on this subject, but the Democrats across the aisle don't want to hear our um, uh, our ideas. You know, we've been very transparent in our solutions uh, or to what, how we can help people, but the Democrats have only allowed, they won't engage us with what their bill looks like, but they have shared it in, uh, with hand-picked special interest groups, hand-picked non-government organizations, and quite frankly, uh, these full-on people that are so far to the left of thinking it's okay to legalize drugs 
these activists that it doesn't make sense. So they'll share the bill with other people, but not with the people of Oregon and not with their fellow representatives? They have had side hustle, the side meetings, side conversations, but they have never shared that this is our idea. They give little tidbits out here and there. Oh, you should call us. We can share it with you. Yeah, let people see what it looks like. We've, we dropped our bill, Representative Lewis, with one of his priority bills for the short session. We as a caucus got together and said, okay, we're in crisis. What can we do? The time is now for action. We can't continue down this downward spiral, and we came up with solutions. And yet I have yet to hear in a written form, like, these are our ideas. How do we work with Republicans on this from my Democratic colleagues on the other side of the aisle? I have heard, you look at the Oregonian article, it specifically talks about, oh, there's items being shared within certain people in certain groups. I haven't seen what those items are. I haven't seen it in writing. You hear rumors and talk, but nothing in writing. House Minority Leader Jeff Helfrich is with me. So, I mean, am I wrong in suspecting that because they won't share it with you, it's because they know there are going to be people who say this will not save the lives it needs to save because you're going to propose little tweaks to measure 110. You're not going to f- propose a wholesale fix, which would say if you get caught with drugs, it's a potential felony. That has worked in decades gone by to get people into treatment. What we have now, tickets does not work. Misdemeanors do not work. Washington State, I think, is finding that misdemeanor, threatening somebody with a misdemeanor, does not get them into treatment. Neither does it save the addict, nor does it save the person who overdoses. And they know that's the objection, which is why they're hiding it. Would, would that be fair to say? I'd say that is, that's very fair to say, and it's because they're special interests. They're the people that are these, the nonprofits. I'm going to be very clear. There are good nonprofits out there that are doing good work, but the nonprofits that are benefiting from these hundreds of millions of dollars, where are they helping people? How is this, how is this helping people? Show us the people that have succeeded in your treatment plan. You know, last uh, thing I saw, I talked about the, uh, the line that they provide for you to call to get treatment. It costs $7,000 per person that calls because nobody's using the line. So that's why the costs right. are so much. So that's you why know, they got, what, 500 calls in one one one-year period? And they just signed right. a new contract for, I think, 18 months at $2.8 million. So they're paying $15,000 a month to maintain a line that gets a couple of dozen calls a month? Correct. That doesn't. That doesn't make good business sense. Now, why is it? Why is it not working? You have. And by the way, does anybody actually go into treatment having called that line? Have they got? Can they even brag? Hey, out of five hundred calls, we got fifty people into treatment. Because you know they'd be bragging about it if they could. Yeah, absolutely. They'd be. They would be showcasing those people at hearings in commercials, like Measure One Ten. You know, this helps save my life. You'll see that. It's just smoke and mirrors. You know, Republicans have united around a bill to fix 110, and we know it's going to work. And there's mechanisms in place to get people off the street and get them into treatment. You know, it's you know, a spectrum of accountability. But I hear from my colleagues across the aisle, well, there's people that just can't get back into holding people accountable and recriminalizing, you know, drug possession. They just need more, more of this. They need more conversations. They just need to be understood. The people that are advocating for 110 have been to the system, have gotten people to – um, they got to a good place that they're now, you know, drug and alcohol free, and they're the same people that says that system didn't work. 
I, I don't understand the hypocrisy in that at all. No, but I understand the money. When you point out that literally there are hundreds of millions of dollars being spent to provide and offer treatment that people aren't taking because the carrot and you got to have a, a carrot, but you got to have a stick as well. And there is no stick right now. Is that fair to say? There is no stick. Absolutely. You know, there's no stick to get you into mandatory treatment, expungement. You know, if you got mandatory treatment and you completed and you stayed clean and sober, you then would you could get your record expunged and then get a job. Because we all know if you, people make mistakes, but there's no motivation for people to get uh, clean and sober. And it continues with these drugs that the potency of them is, as you know, as a police officer for over 25 and a half years in the city of Portland, you, I saw the downward spiral of people. And now you will hear the governor talk about, oh, we have to make street use illegal, open open use. It's it's not going to work. That is uh, soon to be, well, one of these days, he'll be House Speaker Jeff Helfrich. Jeff, thank you very much. Back in a moment, we'll talk about puberty blockers. When it comes time with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Email talk at LarsLarson.com. He actually reads them. More with Lars right now. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. I want to tell you something. Anybody who listens to this show for about five minutes, when it comes to the subject of so-called transgender or gender ideology, you know where I stand. Uh, and if you don't, I think I can make it very simple. If you're an adult, and you're an adult man, and you want to call yourself by a female name and dress in female clothes or women's clothes, go for it. Uh, the reverse is also true. If you're a woman, you want to pretend you're a man, go right ahead, you're an adult. Leave the damn kids alone. And I've been complaining about this for a while, and I pointed out to you the reason that all of this is happening to such a great extent. It's a multi-billion dollar business. Last year, the estimate is that American doctors and American hospitals, some of them the major hospitals in the whole country, literally made about $2.2 billion on so-called gender-affirming care. Now, I want to tell you something. There's a reason that human beings use euphemisms. If you're out to dinner with a bunch of your friends and a young lady says, I'm going to go off and powder my nose. Now, we all know what she means is I'm going to the toilet, except you don't say I'm going to the toilet. You say I'm going to powder my nose. A guy might say, i got to see a man about a horse. You use euphemisms when you want to cover up something that is unpleasant or ugly or will not be taken well. 
when hospitals and doctors start talking about gender affirming care. What they're trying to do is say, well, you know, we could call it what it is. Uh, double mastectomies for teenage girls, chemical castration for teenage boys. But if we call it that, we can't make it sound warm and fuzzy and all nice and all that. Well, there's some brand new information about some of the chemicals that the doctors are using on your kids or your grandkids. And it's disturbing. I would remind you that there's one major doctor, in fact, the video of this doctor, he, he, he practices, if you can call it that, at Oregon Health and Science University. But the video was actually shown to the United States Congress. It was so outrageous. So you see this relatively young guy who's a doctor, and he's one of those gender-affirming doctors. And in this video, he himself is saying, well, you know, we're trying out some new things on these kids. We're not even sure if they're going to work. And I've asked you before, you know, would you go to a doctor if the doctor said, well, I think I know what's wrong with you, and I think I know how to fix it, and it, and this treatment will probably work. How fast would you beat feet for the door if you heard a message like that? Well, guess what? There is some brand new information about the chemicals, the hormones that they're using on children and that they propose to use on your children in some cases. And in fact, in some places where lawmakers have actually rewritten the laws to say that if the teachers at your kid's school determine that your child desires to go from male to female or female to male, that those teachers and social workers and the rest can actually take the kid away from you, put the kid in a secret place, not tell mom and dad what is going on or what is being done to their child, and they will have this stuff done to your kid without your knowledge, without your say-so, and over your objections. Now, if I get a naysayer caller who says, yeah, we should be able to do that. We should have total strangers who, because they're social workers or because they're teachers or because they work for the government, who can, along with your immature child, who's 13 or 14 or 15 years old, uh, decide that your child is going to transition. You know, that euphemism for going from boy to girl or girl to boy. And you say, well, but hold on. What happens if they change their mind? As so many people we're finding out have been changing their minds. There are some notorious cases of what they call detransitioners. More from Europe because Europe, sadly enough, was tracking a little bit ahead of where the United States has been. And they found out this is a bad idea. Major medical institutions in Europe have actually said we're backing off on all this stuff. Because we have a lot of people who are unhappy in their current gender, desire to change to some other gender. Actually, there are only two. Uh, so if you're one, you can only choose to go to the other one. Um, and so in that case, they're saying we're not going to do this stuff anymore because an awful lot of these people at 14 or 15 who decide to have this stuff done are deciding a couple of years later, hey, make me back the way I was. Well, guess what? The newest information, and I'll cite the source on it, it is the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. In other words, this is a bunch of these chemical castrators and medical mutilators who are in a group that pushes the idea of so-called transgender health. And guess what they're admitting? I'm going to tell you, but first, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. Glad to have you on board. If you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's right here every day.
at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, you disagree with my point of view or what I've said, that's perfectly all right. You are more than welcome. You'll be put right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com and vote in our X poll, the poll on X. You'll find that at Lars Larson Show and also on our website at LarsLarson.com. But I mean this information to be valuable to parents out there who may have only had a passing acquaintance with the idea, what is this transgender stuff? And then you imagine, well, my son or daughter would never do something like that. I'll bet an awful lot of parents who find out that their kid has or is transitioning with the help of public you know, officials, teachers, social workers, and the like, are doing it without mom and dad's knowledge. Now, in some cases, what's really disturbing is parents who say, oh, no, I support my daughter's ability. I support my daughter's ability to become a boy. I support my son's ability to turn himself into as close to a girl as medical science can achieve. But consider this. The Daily Caller Foundation, which is a news organization, uh, more for conservatives than for the loony left. But they report that this group called WPATH, or WPATH, whatever it's called, World Professional Association for Transgender Health, is now admitting that puberty blockers, these are the chemicals that are used to start this process and block puberty in your son or daughter, are more invasive than portrayed in the media and, get this is the important part, can have irreversible effects on minors like infertility, bone loss, and disruption of brain development. Now, this isn't coming from a group that's critical of this transgender nonsense. This is from a bunch of so-called professionals who participate in it who make money at it, in some cases, huge amounts of money. That $2.2 billion that gender-affirming care generated last year in America alone is set to go to about $5 billion in the next couple of years. WPATH is a transgender medical organization that receives puberty suppression, cross-sex hormones, and sex reassignment surgery. However, during educational sessions recorded fall of last year, that were part of a gen- transgender medicalization certification program. They had licensed clinical clinicians who published influential clinical guidance for sex reassignment standards because doctors have been telling parents and patients, well, you can take these puberty blockers, but if you change your mind later on, because after all, you're 14 or 15 or 16 years old, you probably change your mind every five minutes. So if you've decided you want to be a girl and you're currently a boy and we'll give you these chemicals and later on, we can reverse some of it. Dr. Daniel Metzger, a certified pediatric endocrinologist, explained how puberty blockers impede adolescents from developing calcium needed to prevent osteoporosis later in life. They're admitting that a lot of these chemicals are irreversible. You do it to your kid because your kid has decided in a flight of fancy at age 16, they want to be something other than what God made them. And uh, when they change their mind in a couple of years, can they put it back the way it was? For the most part, no, they can't. 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you've got the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. Right on the left coast. Get it? 
Here's Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and emails. I want to talk about the federal budget, and I don't want your eyes to glaze over. This is hugely important because America's national debt has grown outrageously, especially in about the last 20 years. And we're now at a number that is starting to get into the danger zone where it could literally spin out of control. And the perfect person to test and see if I've overstated that is our friend Veronique de Rougie, who is a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. Veronique, it's great to have you back and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year and thank you for having me. How close are we to that point where it simply gets beyond the control uh, beyond our control, where it grows in such a way that the growth in the debt causes more spending, that causes more growth in the debt, and it just starts into a, a giant spiral with the sky's the limit. You know, we may find very soon. Uh, I think kind of I used to uh, to believe that there is a, such an, a, a number where all of a sudden investors um, – think, okay, this debt's too high, this country is on a terrible path, and, and that triggers also all sorts of, uh, of problems. But one of the, and, 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 you know, and I was thinking, so is it, is it like 180% of GDP, of debt to GDP ratio, which is where the CBO projects we're going to be in 30 years, or is it 200, or is it like 150, right? But now I've actually really come to believe that it will happen uh, whenever investors uh, worry that um, that maybe uh, we've accumulated so much debt that the, the money they've lended to the government is not going to be repaid other than with deflated money. And obviously, they would have good reason to think this, considering the last uh, three years. And that's when uh, all of that fear will trigger them to ask for even higher interest rates than they're asking right now, and also um, uh, planned accordingly as if uh, there was going to be inflation tomorrow, and that means uh, inflation today. That's one of the things that we've learned in the last four years of studying inflation, is that the moment people fear uh, inflation tomorrow, it, it happens today. And in fact, we just got word that, unlike Joe Biden's predictions, that inflation is gradually easing down. The latest numbers seem to suggest it's actually on an upward track right now. It's it's yep. right now, what is it, 75% above where it was when Joe Biden took office and where it had been for about a decade or two before then. So we went from a but fairly it's also stable. More important yes. What is that? Yeah, more important. More importantly, actually, it went from a downward trajectory to uh, having stalled, uh, or even actually picking up a little bit. So the reason why this is worrisome, right, is because a lot of people had been fast to claim victory over inflation, which to me was always mind blowing, because we're at least at over three percent uh, of inflation, and so that's not victory. And uh, and also, I actually this is kind of somewhat consistent with what I've been fearing for a long time and saying, and everyone thinks I'm, I'm kind of nuts. But uh, the problem is, like, we're with the fight against inflation and inflation itself has put uh, upward pressure on interest rates at much, much higher rates than we've had in the last 15 years. And that leads to enormous interest payments, right? We've gone, uh, we've gone from... Uh, um, let me look at my numbers. 470 
uh, uh, billion dollars to uh, 659 billion dollars this year, and we're heading to 900 billion dollars in interest payment this fiscal year in 2024. So that's a lot, and we don't have the money for it. So what do we do? We borrow for it. And my worry is then that actually um, this is going to be what pushing some push investor over and make them worry that they're not going to be repaid because the value of government bond, right, is based on the payoff that you'll get, and that payoff is primary surpluses. That's basically the, it's, it's revenue minus spending if you exclude uh, interest if you include interest payments, and that is not increasing at all. And so they have kind of good reason to think, okay, so now they're adding this $900 billion a year, Onto and they're borrowing for it and they're not cutting anything in spending, maybe that could be what pushes us over. Well, in fact, when I think of those numbers, I try and think of them in smaller numbers, Veronique, because I'm more comfortable with that. We had $900 billion. You're just shy of $3 billion a day, which means that for the average American, they think, well, what does that mean? It means the first $3 billion you pay in taxes, that America pays in taxes, every single day, is all going to interest. It's not going to build roads. It's not going to equip the military or pay Social Security yeah. or anything like that. It's, it's just going, it's like a company that's in so much debt that the first, you know, if it was a grocery store, the, the sales from 6 a.m. to noon all go to pay your debt uh, or the interest on your debt and only the money you make after 12 noon, except now the numbers get more like 5 o'clock at night. So we're spending the whole day just paying the interest and we've got a little bit left at the end, and that's our breathing room, and there ain't much. Yes, no, I mean it's a good point. It's a good, it's a good way. Uh, it's a good way to pay it because, of course, we need to start by paying interest on our debt. We can't default on uh, our investors. That would be a disaster for uh, the U.S. But uh, like when you think that in in ten years, it's going to be consuming. Um, like close to 4% of GDP, just interest payment alone, assuming that inflation is, is tamed and assuming that interest, interest, uh, rates are not going above what the CBO has projected. It's going to be, it's going to be consuming 1.4 trillion dollars in 10 years. And that means that there's, there, that one, one of the things we've learned in the last 50 years is under the current tax system, there's so much that the government can do to raise money. In the end, apart from uh, economic growth, which is incredible at boosting uh, revenue, uh, you can you can't really raise way more revenue by raising taxes, by raising marginal tax rates, by doing all that stuff. You could by creating a new tax, which I still think there's not enough appetite in the U.S. Thank God for that. But uh, you can't really do anything. So what it means is concretely, as interest payments get bigger. A bigger share of the revenue collected, so those tax, taxes that we pay, is going to be consumed by interest payments. And then, of course, that means more of the spending needs to go be paid for with more borrowing and more borrowing, and that fuels potentially inflation, investors' fears, higher interest rates. And I think it is real. It's very real because I like to say this, and I'm going to repeat it, but uh, 54% of our debt as a maturity of three years or less 
and wow. 33% of our debt as a maturity of a year or less. Actually, 31%. So that means if interest year. rates stay high, when that when that 54% rolls over and needs to be refinanced, exactly. it's going from very low rates of a few years ago to very exactly. high rates of today. Yeah, and so that means the consequences of this is that even if inflation we were done with inflation. Even though, even if the Federal Reserve was uh, going to deliver on its promise to cut rates three times, which I really don't think they will, or if they do, God saves us. But uh, I think it's a big mistake uh, until inflation is back to target. Uh, the higher interest payments are going to stay with us for a very long time. And then, of course, if it's not taken care of, then more and more and more and more of the debt rolls over. Um, in it's, it's roughly every year we roll over over $6 trillion. Unbelievable. Veronique, thank you very much. That's Veronique Gay-Rougy. She's a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University, and she gives us a perspective on what's going on in America's economy. Back in a moment, we'll get to your call. 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, we'll put you first. I might even be talking to a naysayer coming up next. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show. me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges, but how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. The Ad Council. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google. Yeah, he's everywhere. The Lars Larson Podcast. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. So I mentioned transgender, and I mentioned the fact that a number of states, including Washington State, have made it legal for your kids to share their desire to go transgender with teachers and social workers. And in that case, the state is allowed to kidnap your child, hold your child. Your child wants to do this, so they're not being held against their will but they're being held without the knowledge of parents and without the sign-off of parents so they can go ahead and chemically castrate or otherwise manipulate a child. And I've always thought that was wrong. I've said it was wrong, and I've opposed it. Well, I figured I'd get a naysayer, and sure enough, here he is. Paul is a naysayer. Paul, uh, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What do we disagree about today? Uh, well, I, I disagree with your characterization of the language of kidnapping your kid. Uh, so I think that you are not telling uh, the full truth because you are kind of a half-truther type person. But more than that, Lars... Uh, I don't want you to back that uh, up, but go ahead. Well, you got the law in front of you? 
Well, if the law says, and you correct me if I'm wrong. Don't tell me if the no, no, no. I'm not going to. I'm not going to take the. This is your strategy. Let me use an analogy. But, but no, it's not an analogy. I'm it's asking you the practical a... effect of that law, according to lawyers I've talked to on the air about this, mm. is that if okay. your child shares with a teacher or a social worker. I, I was born a boy, but I think I want to become a girl. That if they desire to go transgender, that's the proper way to say it, and then okay. the social worker or the teacher is allowed to direct them, well, you can go to one of these shelters, and ordinarily, if you were just a runaway kid, the shelter is obligated under state law to inform your parents. But if you're desirous of uh, transgender, uh, transgendering yourself, whatever the, the verb for that is, um, that... Yeah. that you are allowed to do it, and the shelter must not tell your parents where you are. Well, if if a child is somewhere else other than in the control of their parents, and their parents are kept in the dark by law, if that's not kidnapping, what is it? Uh, well, let me ask you this question, Lars. Okay. Um, <laughs> You're is, not going to answer my question. Okay, but, ask but, a no, question. It's not, it's not kidnapping. It's Go not kidnapping because, because the child is a person. And under the person, under the Fourteenth Amendment, has the, has has autonomy in that in that manner. So the law, and this is what I'm getting to. I thought you were a supporter of states' rights to regulate medical practice. Yes, I am. You got a pro- wait. You got a problem with legislatures? As far as I know, legislatures are still elected by the people, the citizens of the state. Yeah, right? don't go back through the history of Western Civ. We know the basics, no, but I, I, I'm no, in favor no, no, of no, regulating no, medical no, practice. What no, I'm not no, in favor no, of doing look, is look, having look, children, look, oh, you know, look, having children you know, mutilated when they are not old enough to make the decision on their own. Can we agree on that? Well, you support you support states regulating uh, women's right to reproductive choice, uh, terminating a pregnancy, right? Yes, because that's not okay. reproductive well, choice. That's killing a baby. I'm, well, I'm against killing baby. babies. Uh, no, you're right. Not. You're absolutely you're, right about that. No, you asked the question. I'm against killing babies, born or unborn. No, uh, so am I. So you're am in I. favor of killing babies. Okay, I get it. No, dude. A fetus is not a person. You know how I can prove that to you? How? We don't count them in the census. Okay. We don't but we count do them. count them in murder. No, we don't. Not in Oregon, but in California, other states, a baby uh, who is they're, who dies in a baby. If mom is pregnant and has a baby and mom and baby are killed, it is two murders in many states in America. Now, if that were unconstitutional, yeah, that that'd be the that first argument matter. made by the murder defendant is, my, yeah, my no, client no, didn't kill two talking, people. Don't you? you just can't do it. You gotta, well, you've no, gotta you ask the question. You keep raising matter, these issues, and, and I meet you head on. For the, and that is a matter for the legislature to decide. what Because murder is a definition of law. Okay, but let's get back to where you started. And I want to ask you this. Should it be legal for strangers who have no familial relationship with a child at all to hold a child away from his or her parents without the parents' consent and without the parents' knowledge of where the child is for the purpose what, what of a plot. Of stra- what is your definition of stranger? Well, anybody who's not your family. They don't have a familial, they don't have a familial, a blood Look, relationship. the social worker is not your mom or dad. The teacher and is not what? your mom or dad. Uh, listen, under, 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 under Washington state law, Lars, a child can seek medical care if they're ill and the parents don't want to take them to the doctor. But in this case, to, the parents aren't the being consulted at all. Law. The law specifically locks the parents out. This is the same, it's the same 
law. The child can go to a teacher and say, I'm sick and I want treatment and my parents won't take me to the doctor. And the, and the teacher can say, okay, we will take you. The child can do that. And let me ask you a question, Paul. In the law, since I know you're either an amateur lawyer or you're in law school or you are a lawyer, I, you've never said one way or the other. But let me ask you this. Can anybody under the age of 18 Wait, well, you know wash? What? Let me answer that question. First of all, let me tell you something. I haven't even I asked the question that. yet, and he's I got an answer. answer. He's a psychic lawyer. On your program. I would never answer what I do, where I work. Okay, fine. Then we don't care what you do. Paul, who plays a lawyer on the radio, can, can a child, Paul, can a child under the age of 18 sign a contract and it be legally binding? Yes. Under what circumstances? If it happens to be an item of need, that's one. Need or want? Contract. No, it's an item of necessity. Like, now, how can you prove that your desire to change? No, hold on. How can you prove that your desire to change from male to female is a need and not a want? Uh, one of these days, we'll figure out what he does. Maybe he works at Seven Eleven. Maybe he works at one of the biggest law firms in, Amer in America. Who knows? Paul doesn't want to say. I know. A lot of lawyers aren't proud of what they do. You've got the Lars Larson Show, and it's brought to you the by Nick Lars Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated. But the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. This is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. now. The Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, well, the legislature did something crazy or the courts did something crazy. You know, things like completely legalizing hard drugs, that kind of thing. And you say, why don't we put that to a vote? The people will never go for that. And I think people oftentimes don't realize how much work and, frankly, how much cash it takes, even if it's an all-volunteer effort, to get ballot initiatives uh, either on the ballot or, in this case, in front of the legislature. But the guy who does know that is the man who made six of them happen. Well, we don't have certification on all six, but we're getting there, is Brian Haywood, who is the sponsor and the, the money man behind all this. Brian, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, and it does take a lot of money and a lot of work. 
Well, I just I just think that people need to understand they owe a lot to you because I know when people call me and say, hey, why don't we get this on the ballot? And I say, because even with an all-volunteer effort, you're talking about literally uh, as, uh, upwards in Oregon, Washington, about a million bucks or more per ballot measure. And they say, cost that much? We'll, we'll have volunteers. I said, even with volunteers, it's going to cost a pile of cash. And you you did that to a large extent, right? I did. Well, last year I tried to do it with all volunteer, and it cost me a, a, almost two million dollars with all volunteers. Um, this year we we brought in paid signature gatherers, and what we did though is we really turned the apple cart upside down. They were coming in. The, the guys collecting signatures were coming into Washington State, saying, "You know, it's twenty dollars per signature, which hits you at about you're going to hit eight to ten million dollars really fast just to gather signatures for one initiative." And I rethought the process, combined gathering uh, paid guys and volunteers, and we were able to do all six initiatives for under $8 million. Wow. So it's a bargain. You got a, you got a volume discount. That's always good. When you, <laughs> That's right. When, That's right. Yeah, we got when you're <laughs> the guy with the big checkbook, you can demand a volume discount, right? Yeah. Well, and part of it was that we ran six of them together. Right? No, everyone told me I was crazy, and all the poobahs that know – all the things that they know um, and then never win, told me that I couldn't do it, it wasn't feasible. And because I had six initiatives that weren't crazy, they were, uh, they were ideas that both sides of the aisle like and want to get fixed, um, when you got someone to sign, they're like, well, yeah, I agree with that, well, I agree with that too, and they would sign all six. And by the way, you just got some news on one of them, and the certification one. Would you mind sharing that with my audience? You bet. Well, uh, yesterday we got certified uh, 2117, which is the repeal of the, the Cap-and-Trade Act, which has just crushed everybody with uh, higher gas taxes here and their heating and their grocery bills. So that got certified, which means it goes to the legislature. Uh, they're going to have to deal with it. Um, two, uh, several days ago we got uh, the police pursuit, 2113, and I'm expecting – we, I don't have news yet, but today or tomorrow, I'm expecting we'll have another one that's going to get uh, certified as well. Well, congratulations. So that will... Sorry. Thank you. I was going to say two that will be on the ballot uh, in November unless the legislature passes them. So people will get to vote for them. Well, and, and Brian, i got to tell you, one of the things that I think is just bizarre is you have all these people who go to Olympia and in Oregon and, and down to Salem, and they all say, we are the people's representatives. And then when the people put 400,000 signatures on an initiative in Washington State and it goes to the ballot legislature, you'd think this would be like, well, this is the boss telling us he wants something done. Now, occasionally my boss will tell me something. I'll say, I don't think that's a good idea. But in most cases, if the boss asks me to do something, I do it. And when the boss, which is the people, tells the legislature do it, I want to know your unvarnished opinion. How many of those six do you think the legislature will actually act on as the people's representatives? And how many of them are they going to say, we ain't going to do it, make it go to a vote? I think they're going to act on zero of them. I think if they were, if I were a... If I were a strategic consultant for the majority party, I would say, you know, you should you should pass the police pursuit one and you should pass the parental notification and take those off the table for 2024. But I don't think that they're I think it's a zero sum game. And so they think any any win for one side, even if it's for everybody in the state, is a loss for themselves. So I think all six are going to be on the ballot.
See, I think that's just suicidal to call yourself one of the yeah. people's reps and then say, but I'm not going to do what the people tell me to do. And strategically, it's probably better for the success of these measures if all six of them end up on the ballot with no action by the legislature, then every some people will have more interest in one than the other. But if all the disparate groups who each have some interest in some of the six all show up at the polls at the same time, that's fantastic, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's wonderful. It's democracy in its best form, right? I mean, it's we went out, we did the hard thing of getting uh, signatures, which um, I've heard them say, well, I, you know, this, this Haywood guy, he's just a rich bastard that's trying to do it for himself to make money. That was, um, you were quoting one, the House Speaker out. there, weren't you? <laughs> yes, <laughs> didn't yes, she say yes, something? Exactly. Didn't she disparage you pretty pretty roundly? She did. Um, she Well, and the funny thing is, uh, when she was called on it, someone said, well, wait, didn't you support the gun rights initiative? Uh, you know, that's supported by billionaire Paul Allen and, and Nick Hanauer. And she's like, well, but that one was popular. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and that's, uh, I'll give credit. That was Brand, that was our friend Brandy Cruz who, who nailed her with that question saying, so it's only nailed bad it. when, yeah. when conservative measures are backed by big money, but when liberal measures are backed by big money, it's okay. <laughs> right. Well, and then I'd like to ask Lori Jenkins, go out and uh, collect signatures, and then you tell me how easy that is, right? You don't just buy it. If, if someone approaches you when you're going into a Walmart, you don't go, oh, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to spend a few minutes over here talking to the stranger about politics, right? There has to be something so compelling that you go, yeah, yeah, the gas prices are actually kicking me in the rear right now, and it's hurting my family budget, and, you know, and, and it pulls you over there. Hey, Brian, I, I know it's always easier to spend somebody else's money. But have you thought about the fact that, I mean, since you've worked out this volume discount, maybe you should run a slate of measures every year saying, hey, what isn't getting fixed by the legislature? We'll have six of them, and you guys help me, you, you know, the public, help me decide which six should we put up next year since we did so well last year. We're definitely open to that. I think that the critical thing in Washington is to do it every other year. You oh, okay. collect the signatures in the odd year, and then you run them in the even year. I, Are you I, sure that I, every I year these days fool. isn't an odd year? Because they seem odd to me. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, the, the dynamics of it in Washington State is that in the even year, you have a whole bunch of statewide candidates, and you're running into budgets and volunteer problems. Ah. Uh, in the odd years, you have it's all local um, elections, and so the budgets are much smaller, and you're not competing for volunteers and for and and it's in every it's every local's best interest to support the initiatives. Well, Brian, I'm going to tell you something. i got a break now, but I appreciate you coming on. We'll call on you again, and I want to tell you something. I'm yeah. looking forward to when I'm going to be able to say, okay, at the legislature, Haywood and company is 0-6, but at the polls, he's 6-0. I am I'm, I think that day is coming. We'll, we'll, we'll get a six-pack for everybody when that happens. <laughs> Very good. That's Brian Haywood, who is the sponsor, and he's the guy who put up the money. And believe me, ballot measures are not cheap. And they shouldn't be needed at all if you actually had real representatives in the state capitals. And apparently, both Oregon and Washington lack that right now. We'll be back in a moment. Uh, you've got the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network.
Well, with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Denied gun purchases. Contact us today at OregonGunLaw.com. In a rocky political climate, he's the steamroller. This is the Lars Larson Show. Wait till he, the other guy becomes president, and you won't have to worry about it because you'll be in some camp somewhere. Because that's his promise. That's his promise, says Whoopi Goldberg. I just, I get so many of these sound bites every single week because the crazy is out there, and it's thick in an election year like 2024. Welcome to the Lars Larson Show. That's actually Whoopi Goldberg, very wealthy person, who's saying, well, you know, his plan. She can't even say Donald Trump's name, but she's referencing Donald Trump, saying that Donald Trump has promised to put people in internment camps. That's the kind of crazy we're up against, folks. And I think it's going to get worse as we head toward November. Welcome to the program. If you want to jump into the best conversation and talk journalism, it's right here at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our X poll. You can find that on X at Lars Larson Show and on my website at LarsLarson.com. Now, I want to get some more of the crazy bites, but first, we always promise to put naysayers to the head of the line. So I want to talk to JC, who is a naysayer, somebody who disagrees with me. JC, welcome to the program. Thanks for calling. What do you and I disagree about that makes you a naysayer? Well, Lars, um, for one thing, as I normally agree with you for the most part, um, but I do disagree with you. I did call in about the abortion issue. Um, we don't agree. Uh, but I respect your your opinion. It's an opinion that you have on abortion, and you should re- probably respect the other people's opinions on abortion. Um, don't you agree? No. And and I, I, okay. I'm not trying to beg the question. I'm going to tell you, J.C., if somebody says, do you agree that uh, vanilla ice cream is really good? And I say, vanilla is my favorite, and it is my favorite. And you say, well, chocolate ice cream is pretty good, too. And I said, that's a worthy opinion. It's okay for with ice cream. It'd be okay with baseball or basketball or football. If you tell me, well... If you believe that killing unborn babies is wrong, you have to respect the point of view of those who believe in killing unborn babies. I'm just going to have to tell you, no, I don't have to respect that. When it comes to killing babies, that's different than ice cream flavors or anything else. Well, um, you wouldn't vote for Biden, right, because of his stance on abortion? Actually, my objection to Biden is goes to a lot of other places rather than abortion. Well, I, don't I don't like his stance on abortion, but that's not a definitive issue with Joe. He's he's a criminal. He runs a criminal enterprise. No, 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 no. We're talking about the abortion. Oh, issue. you ask me why I wouldn't vote for Joe Biden. Okay, go ahead. 
No, no, I'm asking you. Would you vote? Because obviously abortion is really pretty much the um, – that, that's what people uh, either vote for one candidate or another. I mean, uh, I no, there are, seem, there are some people out there, J.C., who make a single <laughs> issue you, you as their – You know where I'm going. Well, you asked me a question. Do you want the answer or not? Yes, and then let me ask you. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make I'll it quick. I'm not a single-issue okay. voter, but abortion is a significant one. But the definitive issues on Joe Biden, he's corrupt, and he's, his corruption has, has compromised America's safety and security and our economy and everything else. So that's, for me, the biggest issue. Uh, and have I in the past voted for people who call themselves pro-choice who are Republicans because they're the best option on the ballot and there is no other option? Yes, I have. So uh, do you agree with Trump with uh, his stance on abortion and his corruption? Trump is the most pro-life president who has ever served in America. He's even better than than Reagan was. And Reagan was fantastic. Oh, really? I, I, you haven't been you haven't been paying attention to what he's been saying about abortion, right? I know what he's been saying, and I think he has been. And why did away? Hold on, hold on, JC. I said he has been the most pro-abort, pro-life president. If I said it the other way a moment ago, he's been so the most pro-life. So you're saying partial, okay. so you're saying you partial abortion right. is okay. You're saying what? partial abortion is okay, guys. No. That's you. You said that. You just said that about Trump. No, I don't. <laughs> Reagan wasn't even purely pro-life, if you want to be definitive about it. But you're all hung up about this. You didn't answer my question three minutes ago. What do you and I disagree about that makes you a naysayer today? That you don't respect other people's opinion. on Not when it comes to killing babies. You're right. I don't respect that opinion. Why should I? I don't have to say it. I don't, I, don't ag- I, I don't agree with genocide either. I, I don't agree I don't with chemical with mutilation of children for transgender persons. There are lots of things either, where I don't respect opinion. the other opinion. Why should I? You don't. Nobody's telling you you have to, but you shouldn't tell other people. No. What why? Opinion. <laughs> I, do, I don't tell anybody their opinion. I ask their opinion. Can you tell me why you think it's okay to kill unborn babies just for the convenience of the mother? No, I, 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 I'm, I'm against it. It's not up to me. It's up to the, uh, honestly, it's up to the female. If it why? Was, uh, Hold on. Why is it up to the woman who's the mother? They're the one that's bearing the, the child, and they're the ones that's responsible for the health. But is that, that child right. only from the mother, or is it from two people? Well, if, if God really wanted that child... No, I didn't ask about God. We can talk about God another day, but tell me this. I ask you, is that child only a product of that mother? No, it's not a product of that mother, but if, if the mother is the one that's after it's conceived, that that's the person who's carrying it. If God wanted to share the responsibility, he would have put half God the God doesn't write the laws the of this country, but God says that murdering is wrong, and I think murdering unborn babies is wrong. But I appreciate the call, even though you're kind of a troublesome naysayer. You won't tell me what you disagree about. Let me go. Speaking of babbling people, let's go to Joe Biden, who's been babbling quite a bit lately. Take a listen. Well, look, we're going to get a chance to talk, apparently, uh, after the fire station. So rather than, uh, by the way, anybody want a coffee? It's on me. Right? <laughs> you take the splitting? Well, there's six bucks, but I'll do it anyway. I'll do it. The guy just doesn't make sense most days of the week. The other person who doesn't make sense, and maybe it's an asset and a job, when you're paid a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year to be the spokesperson for Joe Biden, and then you come out, and I love this one, Corinne Jean-Pierre, 
who was an affirmative action hire at the White House. We know why she got her job. And she's talking about the border issues. And she said something that was so absolutely ridiculous. I had to share it with you. Take a listen to this. Razor wire does not prevent. It does not prevent non-citizens from unlawfully crossing. That's not what it does. If anything, it puts at risk. It puts the lives of the Border Patrol at risk. It puts them in danger. That's what the razor wire does. So razor wire on a border does not stop illegal aliens from entering America. But somehow razor wire puts the lives of Border Patrol at risk. If that makes sense to you, well, if it makes sense to you, then probably Joy Reid will make a lot of sense to you. You know who she is. She's she's on cable news and she's just absolutely crazy. She was talking about Iowa and the problem with Iowa is white Christians. Listen to this. That this is a state that is overrepresented overrepresented by white Christians that are going to participate in these caucuses, especially tonight. Especially tonight. I I looked up the stats because I I like statistics. Uh, They they aren't always helpful. But in Iowa, 89.9%, very close to 90% of the state is white. And Joy Reid doesn't like the fact that Iowa has a 90% white population, as she happens to be a person of color. Uh, but she also doesn't like that it's a Christian state. The average level of people who identify as Christians in America is 42%. In Iowa, it's 62%. So they have a lot more Christians and a lot more white Christians. And apparently, Joy Reid does not like the fact that there are just too many white Christians in a state like Iowa. Now, this is the kind of rhetoric we're getting in January of 2024. Can you imagine, just imagine, where the rhetoric is going to be by, say, July or August of this presidential election year? 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network, serving the Pacific Northwest. The Lars Larson Show. words from President Reagan. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I'll get back to your phone calls and emails shortly. I want to mark something that maybe much of the mainstream media is not going to mention. Because if they did, they'd have to say nice things about President Donald Trump. And these days, the legacy mainstream media doesn't want to say anything good about Donald Trump. In fact, most of them don't want to mention his name. They don't even want to carry the words and the comments he made after his massive victory in Iowa the other night. But tomorrow is the First Step Act's fifth anniversary. And the guy who can talk about it most knowledgeably, other than Donald Trump, is Jerron Smith, who's testifying tomorrow before the Senate Judiciary Committee about the fifth anniversary of the First Step Act. Jerron, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Lars. Uh, by the way, I should mention that you're former deputy assistant to the president for domestic policy and deputy director for the Office of American Innovation under President Trump. So what should Americans take in when they can? And would you mind outlining for them what the First Step Act did for so many people who were sitting in prison? Sure. The First Step Act reformed our federal prison systems by allowing for individuals who are low level or minimal on risk of recidivating to participate in a recidivism reduction program. Um, recidivism reduction is all about preventing people from returning to prison. 
And so we use a word like recidivism that measures um, the likelihood that they will return. We've learned from states like Texas and Georgia that if you have these individuals participate in programming like mental health, um, uh, drug rehabilitation, or you give them a vocational job or educational training, they're less likely to reoffend once they leave the prisons. And as an incentive for those individuals that participate in that recidivism reduction program, they can spend some of their time in home confinement. And what we've seen um, since the passage of the first step back is an overwhelmingly successful um, ability to reduce recidivism. Federal um, uh, recidivism is around 47%. So about 47% of people who leave prisons um, end up coming back. Under the first step back, those individuals who left um, recidivated 12% of the time. And so that's a 37% reduction um, in would-be individuals that would c- commit maybe 3,000 to 4,000 crimes. And so that's been a huge success, and that's one of the biggest reforms of the First Step Act. You know, it's funny, Jaron, that I, I'd seen some numbers last fall or maybe a tail end of last summer uh, that said that, that there were 30,000 people who had a release that was expedited by the First Step Act, and they said nine in out of every ten have not been rearrested or re you know put back in prison, reincarcerated. That's that's an, an extraordinary rate given what you just cited as the the usual rate for federal prison releases. That's exactly right, and um, that was the whole reason why um, conservatives, because it was a Republican House and Republican Senate, along with a Republican president, that passed the legislation, um, because the focus there was to be smart on crime, to take a nuanced approach that could use evidence-based research and apply that to modernize the way that we do public safety. And in being smart on crime, we can reduce crime and put more resources towards the violent offenders to ensure that um, most more communities are safe. Now, what's the next step? I mean, is there is there a place, when you give this testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee tomorrow, you know you're in front of a body that's majority Democrat. So these are the sure. folks. I mean, I, I don't know how far you can go and, and still be politic when you're talking to a group of Democrats saying, you know, you guys got on board this as well with Donald Trump. And, and that's, I mean, some of them did, didn't they? Sure. And uh, many of them, um, um, I've built a relationship based off of trust and um, that's one of the things I, I wanted to focus on is that in this country, when we're dealing with so many um, issues, um, elected leaders need to build a certain amount of trust with each other to kind of create infrastructure that's going to help all Americans. Um, and the First Step Act is an example of that. Um, you had people from um, across the um, political spectrum um, on the right and on the left um, put put things aside and kind of focused on data and what works. And uh, we use um, that data and what works to create a solution in, in terms of the first step back that has made communities safer. I'm talking to Jerron Smith, who's the former deputy assistant for the president for domestic policy and deputy director for the Office of American Innovation under President Trump. Now, you saw some of this firsthand because you grew up in Cleveland, didn't you? I did. Um, I honestly and what was that like? Growing up in, yeah, growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know, um, like many urban areas around the country, uh, we struggled um, through the war on drugs. You know, um, this is a time where uh, violent crime was at its highest. Um, and so uh, I also saw, you know, a blanket approach towards how we dealt with the increase 
um, crime and drug crimes. And uh, not everyone who was in the drug market were violent offenders who carried guns, you know, um, because of lack of opportunity with the leaving of manufacturing, going overseas, people turn to these quick ways of, of doing crime. And we had first-time offenders like Alice Marie Johnson, who um, basically got a life sentence, and she was a nonviolent uh, drug offender. Um, and so it was under the, uh, President Trump's leadership that we wanted to take a more nuanced approach so that we can focus on the um, uh, people who, who intend to kind of do harm to communities and separate them for individuals that made a mistake and want and are deserving of a second chance. And so, um, you know, my my background and how I grew up um, um, put me in position to kind of know the difference between um, the two different communities. And that nuanced approach, um, I think, is starting to catch fire um, in certain metropolitans. Um, through public safety solutions, I've been to places like Dallas where we've had the police work with ex-gang offenders to deal with violent crime um, in their communities. And what we've seen is great results in, in decreasing the violent crime across Dallas. And so, so we're continuing to um, uh, you know, push those smart on crime policies, working with organizations like Right on Crime and Americans for Prosperity. Jaron, do you think there's much likelihood that in this election year we're going to get much bipartisan support for anything out of Capitol Hill, like 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 you got with the First Step Act five years ago? You know, I'm a I'm an optimistic person, so I think that like if our leaders are intentional enough, they actually can work on stuff to get things done. Um, but you need that type of leadership in the White House. Um, to really kind of drive um, bipartisanship, and I'm not talking about just bipartisanship where you get, you know, um, you know, 10% of the of, of the right and then 90% of the left. You know, I'm talking about true bipartisanship where, you know, you can get the majority of majority of both parties. And so um, I'm not all the way convinced that that can happen um, with today's leadership. Um, which is why, you know, um, I think having the change and putting a leader like Donald Trump back uh, would, would provide the right leadership to create the type of bipartisanship that's going to lead to a lasting impact on America so that we can be the most prosperous nation in the world. Well, you and I are on the same page on that one. And frankly, I, uh, my audience knows I don't think much of Joe Biden. And in fact, I, I agree on one thing with his vice president, that Joe Biden's a racist. But, you know, but that's just the assessment of Lars Larson and Kamala Harris. The only point, I think one of the only few points of agreement that, that I would have with her. Yeah, I mean, look, honestly, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. We can look at mental health challenges. Um, issues of jobs, the issues that we have overseas. You know, we need leadership that's going to be bold and kind of thinking outside the box and moving our country to the 21st century. Well, I got to tell you something. Uh, it's a big deal. I mean, to be able to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. So I, I wish you well on that, and I hope they treat you right. Thanks so much, Lars. Jerron, thank you very much. That Jerron Smith who is the former deputy assistant for uh, president uh, for domestic policy for President Trump and deputy director for the Office of American Innovation under President Trump. And wouldn't it be nice to see uh, some of the Democrats who talk all day long about bipartisanship and all the rest of that, and then when they actually get to Capitol Hill, maybe not so much. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Naysayers go first. Check out my Instagram feed. And, yes, you're going to find I have a face for radio. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network.
Your Risk Radio. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Just listen for five minutes. You'll feel better. More with Lars Larson right now. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Well, the ugly part of the weather the last few days and all the way back through the last weekend uh, appears to be coming to an end. It is slowly melting off, but glad to have you with me on the Radio Northwest Network. And boy, talk about ugly. Nine people dead in that winter storm. Thousands of people are still without power at this point. Uh, a couple of hundred thousand customers who were without power over the weekend, about 150,000 PGE. And then, of course, you had some of the Puget Sound area utilities that were saying, cut back on your use. We might run out. We don't have enough. Now, isn't that amazing? And they want you to electrify everything. That is absolute lunacy. Today's poll on X, property taxes are now local. Should Oregon add a statewide property tax? And people have asked me, well, is this on top of the existing local or county property taxes? It's not entirely clear. Uh, the uh, Taxpayers Association has pointed out it would allow politicians to set the property tax rates out of the state capital instead of the system, the existing system, of letting county voters and local voters decide how much tax is levied and how the money gets spent. So. Should we add that? I would answer no to it. You can answer the poll on X any way you like. You'll find it at Lars Larson Show and on our website at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Uh, oh, and then uh, let's talk to Jeff. And if you want to jump in, it's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Jeff, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Hello, Jeff. Yes, sir. Uh, hey, I uh, heard your caller about an hour ago arguing with you about something with the children's age limits yep. for medical. Um, yep. I have a 15-year-old daughter who, at 13 years old, her OB told her she was allowed to get an IUD because of her menstrual cycle. But yet, our children aren't allowed to uh, get tattoos until they're 18. They're not allowed to uh, choose the parent they want to live with until they're 18 years old because of their mental capacity. Yep. They don't have the opportunity to make those decisions. Yep. I'm a single dad of two children, have custody of my kids. And that, that I, I, don't, I didn't hear the whole conversation with that guy. But, well, that guy um, is, that, is that, a guy who he, he kind of plays like he's a lawyer. I'm not sure if he is or not. 
But what he was objecting to was Washington State just passed a law last year. And what the law says is that if your child, one of your children, goes to a teacher, a social worker, counselor, whatever, and says, I want to transition, but I'm not sure if my mom and dad are going to approve of that, even if they don't know how you're going to react to that idea, you want to transition from male to female, female to male, that that child can be counseled to go to a shelter for teens, ordinarily for runaway teens, and that that shelter, which ordinarily is required to tell the parents, we have your child here, your child is safe, they're told you don't have to tell the parents what's going on, and the parents don't have to approve of this fairly serious medical transition that your child wants to make without your say-so. Um, I just had a situation with my daughter. She uh, ran away from home, and the sheriff, when they found her, told her, uh, if you do this one more time, I have no choice but to turn you in uh, to the hospital, uh, psychiatric care, and CPS will get involved. And you never At want 15. the state involved in your life if you can avoid it. Oh, hell, the, no, sir, I do not. I apologize for saying that. Uh, no, sir, no, I do not. Um, yeah, it's... it's uh, our society has become um, very strange. When my daughter is not allowed to get a tattoo until she's 18, uh, but she's allowed to decide to change from male to female, female to male at 13. Yep. yep. And, and as far as I'm concerned, Jeff, I consider that kidnapping. Uh, now, I know oh, what Paul was... Paul was arguing about the legal technical definition of kidnapping. But if you said, but the child wants to do this, I don't care what the child wants to do. You, the parent, Jeff, are in charge of that child and responsible exactly. for that child. And when the child says, so, but I want to become a boy, if your daughter, God forbid, said she wanted to become a boy, and she tells the teachers that, and the teachers say, we can make it happen. And she says, but my dad won't like it. And they say, we're not going to tell dad. We're going to keep it a secret from yeah. dad. That is the state of Washington directly interfering with something that is none of its business. Correct. Now, I fortunately live in a very small town, and I have uh, uh, quite a few family members that are teachers in my school district uh, that watch over my children, um, and that does not happen down here. Um, I get emails and text messages and phone calls all the time that my son, my daughter, they've done this, they've done that. Um, and I know that that doesn't happen down here where I live. Well, I'll tell you what, where a push is going to come to shove, Jeff, is when a child, even in a small town like the one you live in, goes to a teacher and says, I want to do this over and above my parents' objections, and the state, in the case of teacher, counselor, whatever it happens to be, but somebody who works for a state agency, says, we will make that happen, and we will keep your parents in the dark. As far as I'm concerned, that's about as evil as it gets. And and the state... Oh, absolutely. And it's the Democrats who want to drive a wedge between parents and their children. And say to the children, you don't get fed breakfast by them, the state feeds you. The state feeds you lunch. Sometimes yep. the state even feeds you dinner. And the state will take charge and allow you to do things medically that your parents don't approve of. They are driving a wedge into one of the most important institutions that human beings have ever had, and that is the family. Jeff, thanks very much, and thanks for standing up for your kids. It's a Wednesday. It's the Radio Northwest Network, and you're listening to The Lars Larson Show, brought to you by ProTech Pro Power. When the power goes out, call 541-ONA-GEN. That's 541 With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? 
Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.